good jobs, but those are all really candlesticks. Your job is a candlestick. Your family is a candlestick. Your neighborhood is a candlestick. What do you mean a candlestick holder? A candlestick holds the candle so that the light of God that lives in each of you can shine all these places that he sends you, right? And we must understand that earth is not our final home. This is not our final resting place, that God is preparing a new heaven and a new earth for his servants. Church, can you say servants? His servants go to heaven. His servants inherit the kingdom of God. It's all about being his servants because the whole world is servants. We're all servants, but who are we serving? Everybody's a servant to someone or something. The devil has his servants, so when we were in sin, we served him. But when we came into righteousness, we got a new master, and that master is Jesus Christ. So what is the revelation then of a servant? Hear this, church. Please hear me. A servant must give up their own way. Say this with me. I must give up my own way. And listen, that's hard to say, but there's nothing more destructive in the entire world than your own way. There's nothing more dangerous than what you think is right if it doesn't match up with God's truth, okay? Your way is very dangerous, so you must give up your way. Listen to me. We are not all that. We don't know it all. God knows way more than we do. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We are not God. We belong to God, but we are not God. So we must learn how to give up my own way, right? By a show of hands, how many of you lived your own way for a while and it almost killed you? Come on. We thought we were having a good time. We thought, as soon as I leave home, I'm going to go my own way. I got my own plan. I stay up as late as I want to stay. Then you get to work the next morning, like, man, that was not smart at all, right? My way is not the right way. He's got a way. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 27. Let's listen to the words of the one that we serve, Jesus Christ. We thank God this morning that we are still alive. Although some have passed on to glory, we are still here. God is not ready for us yet, so we've got learning to do. Amen? We need to be saying, Lord, I am desperate to learn more because I want to please you, and I want to be found right in your sight, so Lord, teach me your ways. We're in Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 21, and it says this. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples or servants... Say this with me. I am a disciple. Okay, that's what you need to know. You're a disciplined servant of the Most High God. You do what he says. You follow him. That's what it means to be a disciple. A Christian does not own their life anymore. A Christian's life has been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. You don't own you anymore. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples. Whose disciples? His disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. 
Heaven forbid, Lord, he said. This will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God. Church, can you say this with me? My way is a dangerous trap. Man, I probably, that sounds like a good sermon title. Wow. My way is a dangerous trap. What does this mean? That your way of doing things, if they're not aligned with God's ways, are a dangerous trap to steal your life from you. Verse 23, going into 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. So church, put your hand out in front of yourself right now. So what you're holding is your way, okay? Your way is deadly. It is dangerous. It seems to be right, but it is wrong, and it leads to death. And, and we should be desperate, since we know that, to give it away, right? If my way will kill me and lead me to destruction, I don't want it anymore. Take it from me, God, right? The enemy wants you to have it, right? Have it your way. Do it your way. I did it my way. No, the enemy wants you to keep the, your way so that he can have you. He can take you to destruction. But, the, but the God said that our way is a dangerous trap to us. So knowing this, what should we do with our way? We need to get rid of it, right? Man, knowing and doing are two separate things, though, church. You've got to understand that, that you've got to have the faith and a revelation to go ahead and give it away. So listen to what Jesus said. Not, not knowing what we know about our way, listen to what Jesus said. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own what? Way. So you can't follow Jesus and have your way as well. You've got to give up your way to be a follower of Jesus Christ because it's his way or no way. Amen? Listen to what he said. You must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. So we empty our hands of our way, and then we have a cross instead. What's the, what is the cross for? Church, I'll tell you what the cross is for. The cross is because every once in a while, you're going to have a visitor show up. And that visitor is called your way. It's going to keep coming back. Like, I thought I ridded myself of my way, but here's my way again. And Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you're going to need a cross. Well, what's the cross for? To deny yourself. To shut down your way. To be a follower of his way and not your way anymore. Let's keep going here. If you try to hang on to your life, come on, this is dangerous, church. Listen, for those of us holding to our own way, this is Jesus talking. If you try to hang on to your old life, what happens? You will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, what happens? You will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? 
For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of the Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. So it's a dangerous thing. It's dangerous to see things from a human point of view. Father, I pray for this church right now in Jesus' name that our eyes would know the difference, our mind, our hearts would know the difference between our way and your way. Protect us from seeing things our way because that becomes a dangerous trap for us. Instead, may we give our ways to you and pick up your cross and deny ourselves and follow you where? Into life. Father, I thank you for this truth and let it resound in your people's souls right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs 14, 12 tells us this. There is a path before every person that seems right but it ends in death. So this is why we must be rescued from our own way of thinking because just like Eve, we are easily deceived. So when you see things, man, this is good. I hope you receive this. When you see things from a human point of view, you can be very easily deceived, right? So that is why we must give up our own way because many of us, man, we take many blows to our health, our finances, and our peace because we do things our way first. And when then all that fails, then we say, okay, God, I'll do it your way. But we have to give up our life at the beginning. The Bible says this, to lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Church, listen to me. The Bible says there is a path before each person that seems right, but ends in death. We need to pray this prayer and say, Lord, am I living my life in any way that seems right? Come on, right? We live in the world is the devil's amusement park in which he deceives the masses, right? So in order for us to not be received, deceived, we need eyes of truth to be open and say, Lord, I see the way that the enemy is steering the world, but I want to make sure I'm going your way. Church, you have to be very careful to not be huddled in with the crowd because if you're huddled in with the crowd, you'll move the way they move. You've got to say, Lord, I don't want to go the way that seems right. Now, listen to me. The Bible calls you peculiar. That means strange. So compared to the world, the things that the church does should be strange because we are different than the world, right? They follow their master's way, but we follow our master's way. And there's less of us serving God than there are in this world that serve the enemy. How do we know this? Because the Bible says it, because only few will find life. And listen to this. The dimensions of heaven never change, but the Bible says hell has enlarged itself. That lets us know that there are many who are being deceived. Father, I pray right now against the spirit of deception in Jesus' name, may no one sitting under the sound of my voice be actively deceived. Satan, I break your power in Jesus' name. 
Father, take the blinders off their eyes that they might see the truth and open up their ears that they may hear the truth. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. John 14, 6 says this. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, I am the way. So we just learned two things. That number one, all of us have a separate way. And every one of our ways leads to death. And then Jesus came from heaven and declared to the whole world, I am the way, the truth, and the life. None gets to the Father. How? Except through me. So that is why it is so important that we give up our own way and follow Jesus. And you know the dangerous thing about your way? It seems what? right. Man. So that's why people can get to the Jesus at the very end and say, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we do it? We did everything that seemed right. But he says, get away from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. So man, man, this is big. Do you know the real Jesus? Do you know the true Jesus? Do you have a relationship with the Savior because he is the only way to the Father? Let's go to John chapter 12, verses 23 through 26, and it says this. Jesus replied, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. He's talking about himself. But his death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me. Do you hear that? I'm talking about servants. We're wrapping this, this series up. And he says this, anyone who wants to serve me must follow me. Because my servants must be where I am, and the Father will honor anyone who what? Serves me. So church, my question for you today is, are you serving God? Not did you pray the prayer of salvation, not did you come to church every Sunday, but are you serving God? Does he call you his servant? Let's go on to Romans chapter 8, verses 6 through 8. We're learning about what a servant is. What is the revelation of a servant? It says this, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Oh my goodness, so what is that? That is the way that seems right. Your sinful mind projects to you a way that seems right. That's what your carnal mind, your fleshly mind does. Your mind separate from God's truth, separate from the domain and rulership of the Holy Spirit. Your sinful mind presents to you a way that seems right, but it leads to death. This is so good. Letting, allowing, permitting. Oh my goodness. So are you telling me that as Christians, that there are times where our carnal mind might rise up and present to us a way that is wrong, but we still follow it. Yes, there are times where Christians can still choose 
to be carnal. There are times where you can still choose sinful activities and sinful things. You can choose to not follow Christ and follow your own way. And the Bible says, so letting your sinful nature control your mind. That means that we have an opportunity. We have a choice to not permit it to happen. It doesn't have to happen. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind. So we've got a choice. Church, can you say, I have a choice? So you've got a choice whether you're going to follow the ways of sin that lead to death, and you've got a choice whether or not you're going to follow the spirit that leads to peace and life. And every single one of us is choosing. Do you know how we're choosing? Because we're going to be judged. God can't judge people who didn't choose, right? So we're choosing life, praise God. He says, I set before you life and death. And then what did he tell us? Choose life, right? So church, we've got to choose to follow God. Choose to have the mind of the Spirit. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. So what does this mean? When the right thing comes along to do, right, we know that it's right to pray. We know that it's right to read the Bible. We know it's right to serve God. But if something rises up in you that's hostile towards those ideas, that's your sinful mind. That's your sinful nature. Do you hear what the Bible says right here? For the sinful nature is sometimes hostile to God. Is that what it says? No. The sinful mind is always hostile to God. So you got to test yourself. When the time to serve God arises, when the time to worship God arises, and there's something in you that's hostile that I don't want to worship, I don't want to serve, I don't want to read, I don't want to pray, that's your sinful nature, and it must be struck down. Verse 7 continues, it never did obey God's laws, and what? It never will. Verse 8, that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Father, I pray for your servants right now in Jesus' name. Those that are born again children of God in this place, whose carnal mind has grown stronger because they've neglected their spiritual selves. They've neglected the reading of the word. They've neglected the fellowship of the saints, the assembly. They've neglected, Father God, praying in the spirit. They've neglected the things of God. And through the neglect of spiritual things, the spirit man has become weak and the carnal man, the sinful nature, has risen up and risen up in strength. And Lord, we come together now and we bind the strong man of the flesh in Jesus' name. And we say, carnal nature, be dead in the name of Jesus. Be dead, sinful nature. And may the nature of Christ, the spiritual mind, rise up so that your servants can walk into New Jerusalem, so that your servants can walk into the kingdom of heaven because we are being controlled and led by the Spirit. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, which mind are you following? Now, don't beat yourself up if you've been carnal before this point, right? Because you're hearing the truth, and the point of the truth is to make you free. Let's go now. Part two, we got four parts, so this means we're almost halfway done. A servant is controlled by Christ's love. 
So I, we're talking about the rest of being a servant. I just gave you the revelation that was all very meaty and powerful, but you received it by faith. Every single one of you that was supposed to get something from that, you got it because the enemy is not here and able to steal or kill or destroy because we binded him up. So I just told you that a servant, the revelation is a servant must give up his own way. How many want to triumph? How many want to enter into heaven? How many want to be considered the sons and daughters of God, right? So I just told you the truth. The revelation is this. If that's what you really want, then you must give up your own way. Do you know what the majority, not the, well, maybe the majority, God, I don't know. Do you know what a lot of Christians do? They don't give up their way. They just add godly ways to their way. Ooh, they like church culture. They like churchy things. They like Jesus. They like Jesus, but they don't love Jesus. Because if you love Jesus, you lay your life down for him. If you like Jesus, you just try to include him with the things you already got going on. You really haven't given up your life. You've hidden some of your life for yourself. And, the, and Jesus said, if you try to keep some of your life to yourself, you lose the whole thing. Do you know why you're alive right now? Do you know why God sent you to a church with a pastor who will preach to you like this? Because he loves you. And he wants you to know the truth that your whole life must be given up in service to God. Now we move on to the empowerment. So, okay, you've told me I have to give up my life. I have to serve God with everything that I have. There are no two ways. Then how do I? Do I how do I receive the power to live that life? What is the empowerment of a servant? Let's go to Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And it says this, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. What are we doing? Standing. What are we doing? Standing. We're not beat down, right? We're not, we're not, we're not lying down. We are standing. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Come on, this is good. I want you to say this with me. I am, because of Christ and my faith, I am standing and confidently and joyfully looking forward to sharing God's glory. Come on, that's good. That is good news right there. Come on. And that excites you if you're spiritual. If you're carnal, then that's, those are just words. But if you're spiritual, this is life and truth. Verse 3, we can rejoice too because a lot of us have been going through a lot of stuff right now. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but if you're a true child of God, you've been going through some warfare in these last evil days. There's some warfare going on, and this is what we need to hear. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us. Church, say this. My problems, my trials, they help me 
Come on, we need the truth. Come on, we need the truth. Because you think your problems and trials are because you did something wrong and God is punishing you. But when you're a true child of God, the Bible says that they help you, okay? For we know that they help us do what? Develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. Come on now. So whatever you've been thinking about that leads to disappointment, those thoughts are not from God. Come on. I'm trying to, I'm, God's trying to heal you right now from your depression and your discouragement and your worry. Listen to what the Word of God says. This hope will not lead to disappointment. There's, the only reason that we're depressed sometimes is because we're disappointed. But we've got faith in Jesus Christ, and we've got a hope that comes from him that will not lead to disappointment. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus Christ for a glorious joy for your church, for your people. And we have a hope that will not lead to disappointment. We will not lead into faith. Failure. We will not end in shame. For God, you are with us and you are victorious. For we know how dearly, come on, this is why, this is why. The why is at the top of your life. What's the word at the top of life there, right? Love. This is why. For we know, we've got a revelation, look over there, we've got a revelation back over here of love. That's what it takes to have a victorious life. You've got to have a revelation of love. This is what he says, for we know how dearly God loves us. Because why? I told you, what is the power of a servant? How do we do all these things to please God? Does he give us any power? For we know how dearly God loves us. Why? Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Put your hand on your heart right now and say this with me. Father, I know how much you love me because you have given me the Holy Spirit to fill me with your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. That's so important to know. That's so important to know. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit fosters that love that God has given us and fills our heart with it. All right. What else is the empowerment of the servant? 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 17, 5 rather. Either way, I told you that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Amen. Did I just tell you that? Did I just tell you that because of God's love for you, he gave you the Holy Spirit filling your heart with his love? Did I just tell you that? So listen to what this says. Either way, because remember, the Holy Spirit lives inside of God's servants. So listen to this. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Wow. So the world doesn't control us. Our children doesn't, don't control us. Our emotions, our jobs, our paychecks, none of these things control us. The only thing that controls us now is Christ's love. Say this with me. Christ's love controls me. All right, now listen. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. 
So if you're born again, if you're a true believer, if you're a true servant of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, not Pastor Tibbs, the Bible says that you no longer live for yourself. And that's not bad news. That's great news. Because at the beginning of this message, we learn that there's a way that seems right, but it leads to death. And when we were in control, the sinful nature rejected the things of God. But say this with me. I have been given a new life in Christ. Okay, that's so good. So listen to this. He died for everyone, so those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Please hear that truth. If you are a real born-again believer and servant of God, you don't live for yourself anymore. You live for Christ, right? So every day should be a day that's lived for God. All of your time should be given to God, and you are controlled by his love. Please be very careful of the deception that you can keep your life and add God to it and still make it to God. God asked for the entirety of your life because that's what he died to receive. He laid down his life to purchase your salvation, so he's not going to receive just half of your life. He wants the whole thing. First John 4, 16 through, oh, let me finish this. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means, come on, church, we, we need to know the truth because so many are being deceived right now into thinking that they belong to God, but they really don't. Listen to what this says. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is what, church? The old life is what? So you don't add Christ to the old life. The old life is gone, right? A new life has begun. A new life has begun. And I said it before, and I'll probably say it again. That would be a great name for a church. 1 John 4, 16 through 18. For we know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. Philippians 4, 13. For I, this is the empowerment of being a servant. This is how you can pull it off. This is how you win. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Sometimes we get discouraged, church, because we're trying to do things in our own power. Don't try to do things in your own power. That's your way. It leads to death. Instead, do everything through Christ who gives us strength. All right, now we move to the strategy, okay? So we learned at the, in the beginning, the revelation is we must give our life to God. The empowerment is we must obey God. That he's given, I'm sorry, that he has given us of himself, that we have, we are controlled by his love. The strategy now is this. This is how we now live our lives as servants. And listen to what Jesus said. It's very important. John 14, 15 through 26 says this. Come on, church. Really perk up and hear these words. Come on, shake yourself off, right? You'll eat in a little bit. You'll get to leave in a second, but you really need to hear these words because Jesus said them. 
and time is temporal, time is short, we're headed for eternity, and we need to make sure that we're ready to go at all times. So let's hear what he said, all right? Perk up and listen to your assignment. Here's what Jesus wants you to do as his servants. Here we go. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. If we love him, church, what do we do? Obey his commandments. That's the strategy of a servant. If you stopped obeying your boss, if we did an experiment and said, hey, for this whole next week, let's not do anything the boss says. Is that a safe experiment? Even at the end, we say, it was just a prank. It was just a prank. It's like, you're just fired. You're just fired. Right? So if we did that to our earthly masters and we did not disobey them, we would not have a job. So Jesus is saying this. Come on, church. Let's get this. Come on, church. Let's get this. If you love me, because that's what everybody is saying. Oh, Lord, I love you. I love Jesus. And he's saying, okay, I hear you. But if you love me, what? Obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. So how do we get the Holy Spirit? We've got to be obedient to God, and he will be a gift to us, who leads us into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Let's skip down to verse 21. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. All right. Let's move on down now. There's more in there, but I want to get to this part. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. Say this with me, church. We have work to do. So everybody gets excited about what God calls us in Revelation. Everybody gets excited about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. When it's time to actually do the work... That's when the crickets start chirping. That's when nobody shows up. That's when we really determine if we're doing things his way or our way. And listen to me, church. There is a very dangerous element of self that's in us that we have to put down. And that very dangerous element of self is called the carnal mind because it does not obey God and will not obey God. So you've got to be very careful about who's making your decisions when it comes to serving God. When it's time to serve God, who gets the call? Who gets to make that decision? When it's time to pray, which part of you makes that decision? When it's time to read the word, is it the carnal mind that answers and says, nope? Or is it the spiritual mind that says, yes, Lord, here I am. All right, here's our work to do, New Life Church. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Church, say this with me. My task, my work, is reconciling people to him. Okay, that's your job. Man, you really sounded like an army there. A very quiet army, but an army uh, still. 
all right? And that's what his servants around the world say. Just imagine every servant of God rising up and saying that my task is to reconcile people to him. Verse 19, remember I told you that you had empowerment, that the Holy Spirit lived inside of you? Jesus had empowerment too. And it says this, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead. Church, can you say, come back to God? That's your work. That's your work. You are the light of the world and salt of the earth. And your work is to tell people to come back to God and show them the way as well. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering of our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Pastor Jim, can you press that background music button that you guys use sometimes? You know what I'm talking about. All right, let's wrap this up. Finally, a servant's triumph. So if you're a servant, that means that you have rejected your own way and now you follow God. If you're a servant, then, then, then you love God and he's empowered you with his Holy Spirit. That's your empowerment. If you're a servant of God, there is now a strategy, a focus to your life, a purpose, right? The last word on uh, life over there is eternal purpose. So what is a servant's purpose? The servant's purpose is to glorify God and tell a dying world to come back to God. You've got to do the work. Why would God go through all of this to reveal himself to you, to give you power, but not give you a task and a purpose? Every single one of you has a purpose. Hear me, servants. Your purpose is not to just go through life collecting blessings on earth. Your purpose is to serve the one who laid down his life for you and to obey him every day of your life. That's your purpose, and that's your strategy, rather. And now, the triumph. What will God do for his servants who are found faithful? What will God do for those who obeyed, for those who stood the test, for those who did not back down or bow down, for those who picked up the cross and followed him? What is their reward? What is it all for? I close with this. Revelations chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. Remember, you've got an old life too. Thank God that it's old so that you could have a new life. Verse 2. And I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. 
And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will freely give freely from the springs of water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the day, illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light, and the king of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day because there is no night there. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will ever be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty. But only, church, can you say, but only? but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Is your name written in the Lamb book, Lamb's book of life? The kingdom of God that's coming is for his servants to enter into his rest. Father, I pray over these people, God, that they hear your word today because they're about to start their cars and in their rearview mirror, the church, this physical building, will be left far behind them. But my prayer is that they will have spiritual eyes to see the way, the truth, and the life. That they would be followers of Yeshua. That they would give up their lives, pick up their crosses, and deny themselves. Because you said, my servants must follow me. Because they must be where I am. So that's where we're going. We pick up the cross, deny ourselves daily, and follow you. Why? Because we must be where you're going. And it is you alone that have the ways of life. But on the way to heaven, on the way to getting where you're taking us, we're going to encounter those who are on the road to death. Those who are walking in darkness, we're going to encounter them. And we're not going to have a bucket on our head or hide our light. We're going to say to them, church, say this with me, come back to God. So on your way to heaven, 
as a servant, what you must be doing is proclaiming to the world, come back to God. Because God, we don't want to walk this path to heaven and see our loved ones lost. We don't even want to see our enemies lost, God. So I pray in Jesus' name that this sermon series do something to your people, God. Lord, we've got an empty balcony right above our heads. And every one of those chairs represents somebody that doesn't know Jesus yet. But if everybody on the bottom floor would find one person in darkness and say, come back to God and I'll, I'll walk beside you, I'll disciple you, I'll help you, then every seat in the balcony can be full, filled. Because all we have to do to double this church is for each of us to reach one person. If we would all just reach one person and say, hey, come to church with me, but not just come to church with me, come do life with me. I want to teach you about Jesus and his ways. So Lord, may we serve you in that way. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If I could please have 